My name is Will Stafford, and you are listening to Unqualified. Once again, I am not here joined today with by my co-host, Andrew. It's the second week in a row I am not joined with him, but that is all right. That is perfectly all right. He has other things he's doing um, besides a mediocre uh, college podcast. Now, at the date of recording, it is October 9th, Saturday, October 9th. A lot of things happened. Today specifically, a lot and a lot of things happened today in the college football world, specifically the SEC. Now, before we get into that, I once again want to thank you for joining me for episode three. I've been very behind on uploading these. Uh, I I think I put on Apple that I'd be uploading weekly. Uh, I've done everything but that. However, um, I am excited that I'm already three episodes in. And so I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, first of all. And secondly, I want to thank you um, for sharing, if you you have, uh, for sharing the podcast with friends and things of that nature, because it is a big deal. I love doing this. Uh, I love sports. Um, I love talking about them. I love doing the research on them, things like that. Um, But yeah, so thank you so much for everything. Um, But let's go ahead and get right into it. The SEC had an incredible, incredible shakeup this weekend. Um, and let me be honest, I would have never expected this. I really would have never expected this type of shakeup in the SEC because a lot of, man, so let's, let's, let's start off this way. Let's start off this way. Starting before going into Saturday, Alabama was number one. Georgia was number two. Arkansas was number 13, I believe. I believe, yeah, number 13, and then Arkansas was number 17. Now, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Ole Miss was number 17. Um, a lot of things happened. Number one, Arkansas and Ole Miss played against each other as the 13 and 17 teams in the nation. Uh, Alabama and Texas A&M played as the number one and unranked uh, Texas A&M played against each other. Um, Kentucky played LSU. Georgia played Auburn. Those are the important ones, right? First of all, we'll start off with Arkansas to Ole Miss because, again, I am based in Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas. So going into this game, as I said, Arkansas was ranked number 13 in the nation. Ole Miss was ranked number 17 in the nation. And going into this game, Arkansas was coming off of a blowout loss to who I thought at the beginning um, of the week was the best team in the nation. Against Georgia, 37-0 blowout to Georgia, uh, Arkansas had to go through. And Ole Miss had just lost to Alabama, who, of course, is the godfather of the NCAA. Now, let's let's look at these scores here. Alabama played against—I'm sorry, no. I was talking about Ole Miss and Arkansas, wasn't I? Ole Miss and Arkansas are two very even teams. Uh, Arkansas has the better defense. Ole Miss and Arkansas have very similar offenses. Two very good quarterbacks. 
and uh, man, it really went everywhere. Game ended up being 51-52. to Ole Miss takes the win and gives Arkansas their second loss in a row, making them 4-2 on the, on the year. Ole Miss is now 5-1 and one on the season. Now, this game came down to the wire. When Arkansas scored, Ole Miss scored. When Ole Miss scored, Arkansas scored. They just went back and forth. The defenses, to me, were non-existent on both sides of the ball. Multiple people continued to say, oh, well, these guys didn't, like, no. Like, both teams did not do good on defense at all. They just kept scoring. Now, what I will say for offense, let's start with Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson, as I predicted in, or as I predicted in, Personally, I predicted that Arkansas State, I'm sorry, no, Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson would come out of his shell and become one of the best quarterbacks Arkansas has seen in a very long time. And man, was I right. Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson threw for 326 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. And that interception was on a Hail Mary, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count, right? He looked in incredible KJ while the numbers don't pop out to you because 328 yards is pretty normal for a college quarterback but the way he carried himself he got he got Arkansas out of multiple situations he was able to scramble find open receivers including of course the ever so great uh Traylon Burks of course um but actually I'm sorry Traylon Burks caught the ball once now that I look at it, caught the ball once for one yard. That's uh, that's insane. I did not know that until I looked at the stats. Um, but Arkansas, Arkansas and Ole Miss were very all the way down. Were very even, and KJ Jefferson became one of the most mature quarterbacks I've seen in a very long time. After the first quarter of um, the opening game against Rice, not or after the first half, I'm sorry, in the game against Rice, nobody really thought KJ Jefferson would be, you know, would be that great of a quarterback. But he came out of the locker room against Rice, and since then, he has become an incredible quarterback for Arkansas. And it's not just because he has players like Traylon Burks who can catch a catch any ball that is thrown to him. No, no, no. Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson. I'm gonna keep saying that because I'm gonna stick it in people's heads that he is Arkansas's quarterback. He has played some of the best f- team football I have seen in a quarterback in a very long time. He reminds me so heavily of Cam Newton. It's incredible because what he'll do is he'll scramble around. First of all, or before I continue on that, offensive line looks fantastic. He they give him plenty of time to find it find the right pass. So offensive ni- line needs some credit there. But if he can't find a player in the ample time that the offensive line gives him, he scrambles and he can take off for eight or nine yards every carry. Every single carry he can do that. Cam Newton had this way and still has this way of scrambling and finding a way to get out of pressure, whether that be passing or rushing, right? K.J. Jefferson was just incredible. Uh, He carried the ball 20 times. He's a quarterback. He went 85 yards on those 20 carries. 
The only person that had more yards than him was Raheem Sanders, or Rocket Sanders, as everybody knows him, with 17 carries for 139 yards. He is a running back, so naturally he's going to get better. But K.J. Jefferson is a quarterback, and he he was second on the team with with tied with Traylon Smith at 85 yards. Now, Traylon Smith had 11 carries for 85 yards. That is impressive, if you guys didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Traylon Burks definitely did not only have one reception. Uh, he definitely had one carry for one yard. He had seven receptions for 136 yards. That's on me. That's completely on me. I read it wrong. Anyway, KJ Jefferson is becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and maybe in the nation. He's come out of his shell so well. He's he's figured out how to play team football so well that he continues to blow minds. It was a quarterback battle the entire time. It like Matt Corral for the the QB one for Arkansas. Or, uh, I'm sorry for uh, Ole Miss and uh, dueled KJ Jefferson the entire day. In my opinion, K.J. Jefferson had the better day, and even the stats say so. K.J. Jefferson uh, had 25, uh, 25 receptions completed uh, out of 35 attempts for 326 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Matt Corral had 14 of 21 uh, attempts completed with 287 yards, two touchdowns. Now, I will say that Matt Corral did have two rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, carried the ball for 94 yards on 15 carries. He did fantastic on the ground. Uh, but as a quarter, as an actual quarterback, to me, KJ Jefferson did so much better than Matt Corral, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. But this game was such a good quarterback duel. It really showed that first of all, Matt Corral is a very good quarterback, and he should be in the talk for Heisman. But KJ Jefferson, to me, is just as good. Now he may be overlooked because he is a uh, because he is a Arkansas Razorback, and that happens. Sometimes teams are overlooked, and that happens. But Matt Corral is a very good quarterback, but so is KJ Jefferson. Now that is not the only crazy game that happened. And and what I, and what I should add is the game came down to a, a it came down to the last like minute. And KJ Jefferson led the Razorbacks down, scored with one, I'm sorry, with eight seconds to go, right? Scored with eight seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Sam Pittman decides, let's go for two, let's not go to overtime. I personally agree with that decision. Um, Arkansas defense, or Arkansas defense was not good. They would have just gone back and forth, and eventually one team wouldn't have scored. It's a 50-50 chance on winning in overtime, just like it's a 50-50 chance on completing a... uh, completing a two-point conversion so in that case Sam Pittman decided he would rather take the 50-50 chance uh, of taking a two-point or taking two points and ending it right there than going into overtime and giving up a lot of points right so I personally agree with that Uh, a lot of people on the internet don't um, but you know none of us are coaches we don't understand the pressure of making that choice Um, but that's not all that happened in the SEC as you probably know. Alabama, the number one team in the nation, lost to unranked Texas A&M, who Arkansas actually beat. Lost 41-38 on a last-second field goal. Now, what a lot of people aren't talking about is that Alabama was down the whole game. 
They eventually came back, tied it, but then Texas A&M made a drive down to the red zone, and it was a simple kick in, right? However, a loss is a loss, right? A loss is a loss. That unranked loss to Texas A&M knocked Alabama down to the number five team in the nation. I have never seen them that low in my 19 years of living. I've never seen them that low, which pushes Auburn to number one in the nation, which I believed, and I think a lot of people believe, that they are the best team in the nation. With that, with how good their defense is, I mean, what else do you do? Who else do you put number one? Now, do not count Alabama out. Never count the Crimson Tide out of college football playoff hopes or anything. Never do that, because Nick Saban is a different breed of coach. He is a, he is a once-in-a-lifetime coach. Alabama will bounce back. I promise that. However, it does give me hope as an Arkansas fan that maybe Arkansas can beat Alabama. And if that happens, I think Dixon Street in Fayetteville will be destroyed. Honestly. But, of course, that's the big thing. Georgia is now number one in the nation. Officially. I think a lot of people believe that they would be, but now it is official. Now it is official that, oh... Georgia will be number one. Georgia is named number one on the AP ranking polls. Um, but yeah. And then Kentucky, who looks, who kind of came out of nowhere um, and is 5 or 6 and 0, oh, uh, I want to say. They are 6 and 0. Oh. They beat LSU, who is a, to, to many, a very subpar SEC team right now uh, at 3 and 3 after the loss to Kentucky. Kentucky has boosted to number 11 in the nation. The SEC is taking over the AP polls right now with some of the best football I have seen in a very, very long time in the SEC. Um, I said yesterday to a friend uh, that the SEC is up for grabs. Uh, it's really not. Uh, Georgia, I think, has it on lock. But the SEC is a very good conference right now. And that's not saying that the SEC is not a good conference every year because the SEC is the most powerful conference in the nation. And if you don't believe that, argue with a wall. Um, however, I think I think most everybody knows that Georgia has this on lock. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens with Alabama and uh, Georgia uh, once they play each other here in a few weeks. Uh, I'll have to look into when they play them. Uh, they play Alabama. They, they, they don't play Alabama. Huh. Well, they don't play Alabama in the regular season. However, they do play number 11, Kentucky, next week. They play number 20, Florida, the next week. So they have a couple games, you know, that they will probably win. They will probably win out for the season. And I think a lot of people kind of expect that just because of how, uh, you know, how things could go. Um, and because of how many players are because of how good their defense is i apologize I'm, I'm kind of all over the place um but yeah sec football this reminds me of 2007 the 2007 uh ncaa um you know ncaa season was just insane and right now that's what this season feels like it's like everybody's coming off of this covid year and it's like it's up for grabs. Everything is up for grabs. Everybody wants a bowl game. Everybody wants to, wants to win. Now, not that 
teams don't want to win at all times, but, you know, it, it feels different this year. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Like, I have never enjoyed watching college football as much as I have this year, and I really enjoy watching college football, but... I told my dad just a few days or just a few weeks ago that I genuinely enjoy, like it's been a very long time, that I genuinely enjoy waking up to watch a Razorback game. As a Razorback fan, it's been a tough few years, man. You could ask anybody in Arkansas. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough few years at that. Um, so the fact that so many teams in the SEC, I, I have a feeling that a lot of teams in the SEC, a lot of fans feel the same exact way that Arkansas fans do, that you really just, you enjoy waking up and seeing these, watching these games. It's, it's, it's enjoyable. I keep saying that, but there's just no other word to describe how it's been. I have written down here that the SEC is in shambles. I mean, absolutely in shambles right now. And I love that. It's been dominated by Alabama and Georgia as of the past few years. But now, but now, everything, of course, Georgia is dominating right now, but there are so many SEC teams that you would have never expected to be ranked this year. It's like, oh, we're coming off of COVID. We had a rest year, basically. We're coming out here. We're going to get ranked 11. We're going to get ranked 17 and 13. Like, it's, it's fun to watch. Now, on to the other Arkansas team. Arkansas State played Coastal Carolina, number 15 in the nation uh, at the time of recording. Um, to be honest, they don't look great. Arkansas does not. Arkansas State does not look great. Now, I said in a, in a recent conversation that Coastal Carolina, I personally believe, has one of the best offenses in the nation. However... They are playing in the Sun Belt Conference. Sun Belt Conference, how a, a conference that does not have good defense, does not have a good defensive history at all. Um, they don't have the Sun Belt Conference allows so many points to go unanswered. Um, like, let, let's take Coastal Carolina's schedule this year. Uh, they won forty-nine to twenty-two against Kansas. 28 to 25 against Buffalo. That's a pretty low scoring game for Coastal Carolina because then you look the next one, 53 to 3 against UMass, uh 59 to 6 against uh Louisiana Monroe and then Thursday night 52 to 20 against Arkansas State. The only time they scored below 40 points was against Buffalo. I'm not sure about you, but something is off there, right? Um I don't think they should be in the Sun Belt. However, I'm not a coach. I'm not a league runner. Anything like that. Um, you know, <laughs> however, but but what I'm saying is that Coastal Carolina is very good. I did not expect Arkansas State to win that game, even as a student here at Arkansas State. I did not expect them. Now they have an off week this week, uh, so I'm gonna. So Arkansas State does look to recoup after that blowout loss uh, to Coastal. Um, now, a few positives that I would say um, is that Corey Rucker looks great. Four receptions for 115 yards, which is which averages out to about 30 yards per reception, right? Um, and then James Blackman, 
looked pretty good. I'm sorry. That Corey Rucker was um against that Corey Rucker stat was against uh the wrong team uh there. Uh that was against that was against Tulsa last week. Um you know I said this in a recent thing. Um man, the everybody really like Arkansas State first of all needs to learn how to run the ball. Um, the most yards they had, this happened in Tulsa last week, now that I'm realizing and that I'm looking at it, the most anybody had was 29 yards. That was last week. The most anybody had this week was 29 yards on six carries by Lincoln Pair. So, I'm not sure about you, but that is not good defense, or that is not good rushing offense at all. Um... Tavalence Hunt had 138 yards on six receptions. That's great. 23, 23 yards on average uh, each reception. Um, you know, it's the offense looks good. Offense has always looked good at Arkansas State, especially after adding James Blackman uh, and and going in between him and Lane Hatcher. But scoring the ball doesn't mean anything. Unless you don't stop them. I have this written down. Sunbelt Conference has a tendency to allow multiple TDs in one game. No matter who you are. Or to allow multiple TDs in one game no matter who you are. This game was no different. The offense looks great. But if you make a stop, your your offensive TDs don't matter at all. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a... Hezzy here to talk about something that was very scary um, during the Coastal game. Sammy Johnson, um, defensive back for Arkansas State, um, took a bad injury, um, was carried out on a stretcher. Um, Arkansas State um, EMTs and things of that nature had to take off his pads and his helmet in order to get him on the... um, get him on the... uh, stretcher uh it was it was a scary moment uh they were tending to him for 10 minutes and that's that's a long time for an injury um johnson had in the three seasons he's played for arkansas state 47 tackles nine passes defended three interceptions a forced fumble and a fumble recovery in only 22 games um sammy johnson uh seems to be all right um coach butch uh jones seemed very um excited after the game about it uh he he was not he was not panicking at all uh and sammy johnson himself even posted um on friday night that he was all good on twitter uh and thanks everybody uh for all the love and prayers and so it's it's a great thing to hear that sammy johnson is all right um because of course anytime anytime you have to go out in an ambulance that is that is terrifying. It happened. I was at a high school football game just a few weeks ago. Happened. I, I watched it happen. Uh, it's always scary, especially, uh, especially for. I, I can't imagine uh, what it feels, especially like for the uh, for his family, because um, even as just a fan, uh, it's very terrifying to see somebody go down like that. Um, so, it, I, I'm I'm very happy to hear that he is all right. Glad to see that he gave us an update as well. Um, and not just Butch Jones giving us an update. 
Um, so it's great to hear. Um, but to pivot back, Arkansas State defense needs to be looked at. A lot of Sunbelt Conference teams' uh, defenses need to be looked at because a lot of this is, uh, you know, a lot of defense on in Arcan in the Sun Belt is not good. It's not good at all. Um, because a lot of teams are allowing forty plus points every game. So obviously that needs to be looked at. Um, a crazy weekend uh, for college football, though. Um, you know, lots of shakeups in the AP poll. Georgia number one, Alabama number five, Arkansas number seventeen after being number thirteen, Ole Miss number thirteen after being number seventeen. Uh, it's been a crazy week weekend. So, uh, if you guys haven't gotten the chance, go watch some college football this year. It's most any game you turn on will be a good game. Uh, there have been a lot of close games, a lot of uh, scary looking games uh, for certain fans. So, you know, make sure to just go watch some. Once again, you are listening to Unqualified, the podcast where. I have absolutely no qualifications in the sports world, but I feel it is my obligation to give you my takes on different stories and headlines across the sports world. Now, let's pivot a little bit away from football to basketball because the NBA preseason has officially started. I am so excited to be seeing these things. Um, I predicted... uh, I'm going to go off my predictions first. Uh, Lonzo Ball... I guess that he would he would come out firing. He was. He has been. He looks fantastic with the Bulls. The Bulls look very fun uh, to me to watch. Um, things like that. Um, lots of action throughout the league. Um, of course, Stephen Curry looks really good. As I predicted, the Warriors look incredibly dangerous again. They were dangerous last year without Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson will be back midseason. Uh, so it's it's the Warriors are a scary sight to see. Um, the other blue and gold, no, I'm sorry, not blue and gold, but, uh, the purple and gold team in LA, the Lakers are not looking great. Then again, it is preseason, but they have started 0-3 at the time of recording. Uh, Lakers fans, there's no need to panic yet. Um, it is just preseason. Um, so I would not worry about it at all. However, they are, I mean, it's not, it's not a crazy thing to think, oh, like, they haven't figured this out because they probably haven't. It's a lot and a lot of veteran players on for the Lakers. And so, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of young, young talent, uh, which they don't have a lot of right now. Um, you know, Car- they have Carmelo Anthony, of course, the ever so great LeBron James. They have Rajon Rondo. They have Anthony Davis, who is, who is one of the younger ones. However, um, not the youngest, uh, pretty injury prone as of the past couple of years. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, who, I mean, while he is one of the older guys, or he he is one of the younger guys, you could also think of him as a pretty old, much older veteran, but he is still very powerful, um, a very powerful player, very quick, um, very quick point guard. Um, you know, it it's an older team, but I would, I would not panic too much, uh, Lakers fans. I think that... LeBron James knows what he's doing. Everybody knows that LeBron James knows what he's doing. So I would not worry about that yet. However, however, I would say watch out for the Warriors because, of course, the Lakers and the Warriors are both in the Western Conference. Uh, I would just watch out for them to be um, 
I would watch out for them to be the two powerhouses of the Western Conference uh, by the end of the season. Uh, I would also look out for the Bulls in the Eastern Conference. I would also most definitely look out for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. A lot of people are kind of counting out the Bucks. Um, calling last year, a lot of people have called last year um, kind of a free ring, um, just because of all the injuries and coming out of a COVID season, things like that. Um, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't say that uh, because I mean Giannis Antetokounmpo is just so good. He, I think he definitely deserved that ring. Um, worked his tail off. Um, I would not count them out this year either. I would I would certainly not count them out th- this year either because they kept mostly the same team together, um, and that's a big deal when it comes to winning another championship. Keeping your team chemistry uh, at the same level, um, you know, just keeping it normalized, I guess you could say. So just watch out for the Bucks as well. Um, now, speaking of the Eastern Conference... Kyrie Irving will not be playing home games for the Brooklyn Nets. And from and from what the stories are telling us, um, well, Steve Nash is okay with it. The Nets organization is okay with it. They're gonna from what Steve basically what Steve Nash has been saying is we will figure it out. We respect his decision. Um, if you guys don't know the story, Kyrie Irving will not be getting the vaccine. Um, he had the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, he has forever been a believer in not taking that vaccine. Um, and I respect him for sticking by it, even when he can't play at home. Um, he can play away games um, in most parts. The only reason he can't play home games is because in New York and surrounding areas, uh, you cannot do anything without getting a vaccine there's a vaccine mandate in new york and so in brooklyn you can't they can't play him in um in uh in their home games he can work out at his private facilities and things of that nature because technically it is a private business or privately owned business so he can work out and things like that with the nets but he cannot play in games now brooklyn fans i'm sure you're not super afraid yet because you still do have the one of the greatest scorers of all time in Kevin Durant and you of course have the MVP James Harden um you know so I I certainly wouldn't worry about it but Kyrie Irving is an essential part to that team he is absolutely an essential part to that team he knows he he and he I think he knows that and I think Steve Nash knows that as well but I think that the Nets also know what they're doing when it comes to playing without him because they have done it in the past. Um, they've they've figured out what works, what doesn't work without him, and I believe that this year will be no different. I think they will figure out what they what they can use, what they can't use in certain situations. Um, and as long as uh, they are not hit by an injury plague, the Nets should be a top three seed pretty easily, um, in my opinion. So. I would just, I would say Nets fans, don't be super scared yet, because they are certainly still very good. Um, What the Nets do at home, though, is still pretty unclear uh, how how they'll approach this. They certainly won't force Kyrie Irving to get the vaccine, because a lot of people would call Kyrie Irving a diva. Um, I think you could say that in certain situations, but he is sticking by his beliefs and 
as a person, you have to respect that. He's sticking by what he believes in, and you know what? I personally respect it. Um, so I, I don't I don't blame the Nets for trying to figure out a different solution to all of this. Um, but yeah, the NBA preseason looks really good so far. Um, you know, as I said, the Bulls look really fun to watch. Um, there are games going on right now at the time of recording. Um, the Nets are losing to the 76ers while I'm talking 59 to 76 in the third quarter. So as we were just talking about the Nets, um, the Warriors and the Lakers play tomorrow. Um, the Lakers again have not won. They're they're 0 and 3 in the preseason. Again, it's a preseason. Wouldn't get worried yet. I certainly wouldn't get worried yet by any means because it is LeBron James and the LA Lakers. As predicted, Stephen Curry is just so good. Curry is just like I, I would argue he's the greatest point guard of all time. Now I have nobody to argue that with, but I think a lot of people would also believe believe that. Uh, he, I mean, he's scoring at an unreal rate. I mean, he scored thirty against the Lakers. Who, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, the Lakers are one of the most are one of the toughest teams. Curry will face in the West. The West is... I don't want to say the West is not good because the West is definitely a lot stronger than the East. However, however, the Lakers are the toughest team they will face. Because there's a guy, there's this guy that I just mentioned uh, named LeBron James. And I will tell you, he is, he is the toughest player Stephen Curry will face. And speaking of those two players, right, um, Golden State Warriors star Stephen Curry says LeBron James set the standard for longevity in the NBA, and I would have to certainly say that that is absolutely the case. LeBron is how old? 30-something? He is 30. How, let's, let's see. How old is LeBron James? LeBron James is 36 years of age, and he is still outplaying many 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 of his peers so let's 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 be honest let's be honest here there are not a lot of players in the nba let's say the nba specifically that lebron james or there are not a lot of players that can play at that high of a at this high of a rate at this good of a rate as lebron james does at 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 his age anything past 35 you're probably out of your prime right Unless you're Tom Brady in the NFL and you're 40 and still the greatest quarterback of all time, like it's it, that that's that's another story for another day. But LeBron James is just he has figured out how to extend his prime in a in a way that nobody ever has before in the NBA. It's incredible the things he can do. He won a championship two year no I'm sorry one year ago two seasons ago. First of all. Or off topic, but that is weird that one year ago was two seasons ago. That's insane. Anyway, and and Curry said himself that LeBron set the standard. If anybody can say that, it's Steph Curry. Curry has faced LeBron more times than he probably would like would like to have, right? He did. He had. He was in the NBA Finals from 2015 to 2018 against LeBron James. In in all of those finals, it was both of them. 
That is four. That is four NBA Finals playing against LeBron James and knowing that, oh, man, like, I'm about to play the same guy again, and he's about to, like, give me a run for my money, right? That is that is a big deal. That is a big deal. There aren't a lot of players that can just continue dominating in a way that LeBron James does. And I am personally not a big fan of LeBron James as a player. I love him as a person. He is a great person. I just don't personally like him as a player, and it's because I'm a Raptors fan, and LeBron James has destroyed the Raptors anytime he's ever played them. However, I agree with Curry here. He set the standard. Curry said, let's keep it real. What is he? In his 18th year, nine straight finals, all the things that he's accomplished. You have a vision of sustaining your prime for as long as you can, kind of reimagining what that looks like. So you know the work that goes into it, the intentionality, especially in the off-seasons, especially how you take care of your body, your mind. Balance on court, off court. There is a number that was going around about how much LeBron James pays to keep his body and mind right in the offseason. That number is $1.5 million. Now, that might not sound like a lot for somebody like LeBron James, but I promise that is a lot of money to be putting into what you eat, how you train, how you sleep, things of that nature. It is That is just to take care of his body. Uh, that was in year 15. He is in year 18 of his reign in the NBA. Um, now, in, number, in in year 15, he played every game, all 82 games, for the first time in his career. He then did a 22-game playoff haul, right? Insider BusinessInsider.com says, of all the accomplishments of James's career, his longevity might be the most impressive. And that's fact. The, that $1.5 million takes care of his home gym, trainers, uh, a massage, massage therapists, chefs, appliances, and a whole, whole lot more. And for LeBron James, dude, for any player, that would be worth it. That would be worth the $1.5 million. Now, that is not even all he pays for, right? He shows zero signs of slowing down. It's insane. He spends seven figures a year. Seven figures a year to keep his body right. So 100%. In this case, dude, I agree with Curry, man. I mean, it's 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 incredible. Like, that's coming from a two-time MVP. 33 years old. That's an MVP. And you can tell that people are starting to take after what LeBron does. I mean, Curry is 33, and he is still so, so dominant. He had one of the best years of his career last year just barely missing the playoffs by single-handedly carrying single-handedly carrying the Golden State Warriors right you can tell people are starting to take from what LeBron does right it's it's really it's i mean that's really cool and i had no idea i'm just reading this apparently LeBron was attending Curry's games while he was in a while he was at Davidson um in 20 in, in in 2008, sorry, 2008. Um, and it says, this is what Curry said. For me, it's a weird perspective just because I still remember my college days and he was just coming into his prime in the league. And my sophomore year, the tournament run, uh, the NCAA tournament run, he came to a game, then came to a game my junior year. This is hilarious. I still have a jersey that he signed back in 08 in my parents' house back in Charlotte. So it's kind of weird to think about what's happened in the last 13, 14 years. Basically, what Curry is saying is... 
he remembers when LeBron was coming to his college basketball games. And LeBron is just as dominant as he was in 2008 as he is now. That's incredible. There's not a lot of people who can say that. I think that's the most I've ever talked about LeBron James in my life. Because as I said, I'm not a big fan of him as a basketball player just because he's beat my team way too much for me to enjoy. Uh, I mean, literally, they were called LeBronto for the long, longest time. Um, but to get off of that topic, I do want to say, first of all, make sure to go watch some NBA this year. It's going to be an exciting, exciting, exciting year, especially with Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan and uh, and Zach Levine playing on the same team in uh, Chicago. Um, like we said, Curry um, playing in, uh, in Golden State with Moses Moody, who's actually from my hometown, from my high school, before moving to uh, Florida. Um, it's a big deal. Um, you know, what, the Warriors are going to be a very scary team this year, most definitely. Um, the, you know... The Bucks don't count out the Bucks by any means. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be an exciting NBA year. Uh, they, we the NBA starts very very soon. Like the actual regular season starts very very soon. They're back on track with a normal schedule. Um, of course, that is implying that no more shutdowns happen or anything like that. Um, and what I would like to say is that Adam Silver has done such a good job at keeping the NBA to a standard where they, you know, a standard where other leagues want to follow them because the NBA has done such a good job at cont- uh, continuing to be like a leader in how how your league is run, um, how you respect your players or how you talk to your players, things of that nature. So I do want to say I respect Adam Silver. Like he is, he is by far – to me, the best commissioner in all of sports. Easily. Easily. Now, as I took a break from speaking to take a drink, I just saw that Ben Simmons has arrived in Philadelphia. He is expected, according to many sources, including the ever-so-great Woj, that he will be on the 76ers roster. Now, I see a comment that says, this is like going back to your ex after you caught her cheating, but you got nowhere else to sleep, so you go back. Now, in the in the second episode, last episode, I explained why I thought it was stupid the way Ben Simmons was handling that whole situation. Basically saying, oh, I can't work for you because I can't handle it, so I'm going to go over here. Well, now these other teams don't want you because you're acting like a diva. Nobody wants to deal with a diva. Nobody. And if you do, I, I, I want to I learn from you, man. I really do. I want to learn how to handle a diva. But for now, I can't think of anybody that wants to handle that, wants to deal with that, right? So the fact that he is going back means something along those something something that we don't know about happened for him to be like, you know what? I'm going to get over it, and I'm going to go. Either he saw somebody and talked to somebody about it, or he talked to somebody in the front office and was like, yo, like, treat me better, right? And that happens, man. If, if that happened, good for them. Um, I'm glad they resolved their differences. However, they, I mean, 
However, I, I think that this is not going to work out well. This is going to be a very awkward situation for both parties. Um, and speaking of awkward, we're gonna, I'm going to pivot over to the NFL real quick. Because at the time of recording, John Gruden has now resigned as the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, I think it is. The Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Now, this comes after leaks of an email from 2011 or 2010, I believe, where he said many, many, uh, many um, rude things uh, to some messages to Bruce Allen, who, who used to be the former president of the Washington football team. Um, and I, I'm not going to say certain things in this email, but some of the things that were said was that Roger Goodell was a uh, blank. Um, it's 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 a very it's a it is a offensive word to the LGBTQ community. Um, and then he says uh, he's also a clueless anti-football p-word. We'll just say it like that. And he then also call he also said that Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, the then coach of the. Uh, Rams uh, to draft queers, which he is referencing Michael Sam, uh, who is uh, who is gay, an openly gay player uh, chosen by the Rams in 2014. Now, this was, I believe, in 2000. The, these are very old. These are very very old uh, emails. However, in the NFL, those type of things are looked down upon. I think in a, in most places that would be looked down upon. So the fact that he resigned means that more and more is going on uh, than probably what is being said uh, other than just those emails. Uh, many people are saying, man, that's like a decade ago. Why are, Why is it just coming up now? It was going to come out eventually, and it just happens to be when he, he's a head coach. The NFL uh, has also said that there is no place for that, uh, for that type of language, uh, for that type of um, talk. Now, why those emails did not come out when they were first, uh, when they were first sent, nobody really knows. But apparently, in those, in some emails, he also sent pictures of half-naked uh, cheerleaders, uh, NFL cheerleaders, to to multiple people back and forth, uh, to back and forth to whom, nobody really knows. I don't know at least. Uh, I haven't done the research on that because this this just came out. This uh, headline just came out. Um, I personally agree with the resigning of him. Um, the fact that he did it means he tried, he's trying to own up to what happened. Um, it is a very unfortunate situation for Oakland because John Gruden was a good coach for the Raiders. Uh, he was getting somewhere with them, but things happen. Um, especially immature things happen. So for that to happen now is very unfortunate, but now that it is being worked out, it, that is a very good thing. And sp and speaking of NFL coaches, many of you have probably seen the headlines about Urban Meyer losing respect in the Jacksonville Jaguars locker room. Now, if you lose any respect, any you know, um, any way to just lose your team as a whole, it is by lying. It is by being a stupid idiot. 
if you guys don't know, Urban Meyer, there's a video that leaked of Urban Meyer dancing up next to a bunch of girls. Um, now, this video, I I'm looking at the video now. It is pretty, it's bad. Um, many things, many things are happening. However, the worst part is that he is losing credibility in his locker room. And that's not a good thing because that is how teams lose even more. And and the problem was, the problem the problem is becoming is that he is not owning up to things. He's lying about many things, saying, "Oh, that's not me." Like th th this is not how it happened. And he is going to individual team. Uh, he is going to individual parts of the team and talking about things instead of going to the the Jaguars team as a whole and talking about it as a man. Let's put it that way. Now, here's here's the worst part. Here's some of the worst parts about it. Um, after a difficult Thursday night loss um, against Cincinnati, he did not join his players on the team plane. That is not good. That means he feels guilty and he is afraid to talk to his players, right? He was caught on a on camera in a compromising dance grind position with a woman who's not his wife, at an at his own restaurant bar, no less, right? And then. As I just said, the subsequent series of apologies and excuse-making in the Damage Control Tour that has followed. The Damage Control Tour being him going to different parts of his team and making up excuses and not talking to his team as a whole. That's sad. Now, if Urban Meyer would have needed to be separated from the team for, you know, like a personal family matter or business matter, it's understandable. But he just didn't get on the plane because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it was because he was too scared. Apparently, the excuse that came out was that he was staying behind to be with his grandchildren. Now, you have a lot of time. You have off weeks. You have off season. I understand if you have children, but grandchildren, I'm not saying grandchildren are not you know, not important, but I am saying that there are other times to do that, especially after a heartbreaking loss against the Bengals. Be on the, be on the team playing with your team and talk about things, whether that be about whatever video is coming out or, you know, talk about the loss that you just had. Now, let's be honest, Th that he did not get on that plane. He did not get on that plane because he wanted to go see his grandchildren. No, no, no. He was going to that bar. He went to that bar where that video leaked of him. Now, it is another thing that the woman in that video seems a little bit too old to be one of his grandchildren. And even then, it would be weird if it was one of his grandchildren. Let's say, let's say this. He let, let's just put it all in perspective. He lied to his team that he was going to be with his grandchildren so he would not be on the team plane. But instead of actually going to his grandchildren, no, no, no. He he went to his restaurant slash bar and talked or, uh, and, and grinded on a girl. And then made up excuses as to why he did it. He completely lied to his team. That makes him lose credibility to his team. That makes him lose trust. His team, his team now has lost trust in him. 
right? A Jaguars player, a Jaguars player said he has zero credibility in that stadium. And then he said he had very little to begin with. A lot of people have covered NFL locker rooms that have lost respect for the head coach, and it never ends good. I guarantee you that Urban Meyer will not be the head coach in the next two years. It's almost impossible, especially in this situation, it is almost impossible for him to gain any more respect because now he's lost it all. These are grown men. I would, It would make a little bit of sense if he was able to gain um, gain credibility back in a high school or college football room, uh, locker room. But this is these are grown men who are playing to p- put food on their table. Not just playing because they want to play football. Or not just playing to win a championship. No, no, no. They're playing to win a championship and feed, feed their families. And, and keep a roof over their head. They have lost... All respect for Urban Meyer. Like, let's take uh, Ray Hanley's. Stop ta- uh, Stop taking him seriously. Ray Hanley was the Giants' head coach long ago, right? Um, the Jets and Rich uh, and Rich Kotite, a serial delegator who spent less time than some on the secretaries in the team's building. Now, those are a little bit more serious. However, this is also still a very serious thing. I do not see Urban Meyer staying head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars for much longer. And and the problem with it is that Urban Meyer has done done it in a he has done everything in a way to where he is ignoring everything. He is trying to avoid everything. And not only is he trying to tap way tap dance his way out of all of the embarrassment, this is taking so much light off of the actual 0-5 Jaguars and trying to fix what is already broken into it is turning all the light into what he's doing wrong as a person not as a coach as a person and that is so incredibly upsetting because the Jaguars can be so good Trevor Lawrence is such a good quarterback but Urban Meyer has taken everything that the Jaguars could possibly be and just throwing it into a dumpster fire. And that's sad. I mean, people are calling him Urban Liar right now. Like, that's just... You got a nickname with the name with the word liar in it. So, what can I say? Anyway, now that I am done with that rampage, I apologize. Um... That's going to have to be the end of this episode of Unqualified. Hopefully, Andrew, my co-host, will be with me next episode. Um, Make sure to go watch college football because college football is being shaken right now. It's like 2007 out here. Make sure to share the podcast with everybody. Um, Make sure to, or with anybody you think would enjoy the podcast, uh, make sure to uh, like, like it on all of your um, all of your streaming services. Uh, we are on Spotify, Overcast, Amazon Music, and Apple iTunes. So make sure to listen to it wherever you feel necessary. SoundCloud is coming as well. Um, thank you so much for listening to Unqualified. My name is William Stafford. And once again, once again, I am still not qualified. I am not qualified at all. 
to be a sports podcaster.